The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. A caller on the line, I believe it's Dean Burke. Dean, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. What's your question this week, bud? That's a great question, and I think there's a lot of caveats to it. We're gonna we're gonna take your question off the air, Dean. Thanks for, for thanks for tuning in live, buddy. All right, so did guys, did you get that question? Did you hear it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. With a start, so I guess John, let's put you on the spot, buddy. So the question was, how bad do the Bengals have to start for Lewis to get fired? Was fired or, or any, yeah, fired, hot seat, any of that stuff. Okay, so I have a. I'll, I'll answer that question without a question. Can you win negative games? Because that's the only <laughs> way I could see Marvin Lewis getting yeah. fired before these next two years are up. And I wish I could expand a little bit more, but. That's all I got. Negative games. Yeah, I, one. You know, uh, and Scott, I'm gonna. Yeah, I know. I mean, Scott. I. Uh, well, the, trust me, Lewis has come as close as you can. Um, you know, and ties and losses and all kinds of stuff. So, um, but my my thing. Uh, the Bengals had a, a very year was the golden opportunity if they wanted to move on from Marvin Lewis, um, because. They st- the first game of the season was awful. They start. They look completely unprepared again in an opener under Marvin Lewis. And then, aside from the last two games, this after that, steal was un- unacceptable in itself, given the lead the team had and how they played in that first half of that game. The following two games against Chicago that are absolutely unacceptable. Um, and then, as Mike Brown noted, it, you know. Those last two games kind of saved Marvin's job and dead cat bounce. So, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take, Scott. What do you think? Yeah, I think the negative game comment by John is probably accurate. I, he signed a two-year extension after this year. If and if this year isn't going to get him gone, I, you know, even a Browns or lines like zero and sixteen, I don't think would do it unless you get something like an zero and sixteen plus. So 0-16 plus, maybe Marvin gets arrested for, I don't know, selling 
uh, at the airport or something, plus, you know, something. I mean, it would take several, you know, really awful things combined. Well, record probably wouldn't even matter. I mean, 0 and 16 plus, you know, zero, actually zero, 15 and one, because it's going to get a tie. It wouldn't be zero and 16. But yeah, it would take something like that to basically have them end it before. And I think even after the two-year run, if they still, if they miss the playoffs both years, don't be surprised if he gets another <laughs> extension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I wish God. you weren't right. Yeah, really yeah, weird. I know. Seriously. Uh, well, thanks for the question there, Dean. We've got a couple of text messages we'll get to here in a second. Um, again, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You can get in touch with us in a number of different ways and download the program on basically a lot of different apps now and stuff. So uh, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, all our stuff's on Cincy Jungle. So check us out. Uh, we're going to get to these last two questions and then get out of here. Um, this is from Justin Tabor or Tabor. Um, and this might be a tiny bit more up Scott and I's alley, given uh, our age. But, John, if you have some thoughts, I'd love to hear it as well. Scott, who deserves the Hall of Fame more, Ken Anderson or Ken Riley? The Battle of the Kens. Oh, that is a good question. I mean, I think both of them and Willie Anderson all deserve it. But if I have to pick one of the Kens, I think I – Man, I don't know how you pick one. I mean, Riley is what – I mean, he's up in like the top five, I think, in interceptions in NFL history. And back in an era when they weren't throwing a ton, and then you have Anderson who, you know, led him to a Super Bowl, you know, was a – you know, one of the uh, first passers to really be a very prolific, you know, kind of like that West Coast style, you know, guy accurate, getting lots of – if I had to go with one, I guess I'd go with Anderson only because he is the quarterback. He did, the thing, the criteria that get you in, this, in the Hall of Fame. Kind of like the Troy Aikman thing. He was never a great quarterback, but he was a quarterback of great teams. Anderson was a quarterback on a Super Bowl team, and he did put up some great numbers, you know, in a era when passing wasn't as prolific. And his, his numbers tend to get overshadowed now, and I think it's going to be harder for him because it's, you know, you look at, you know, receiving yards back then, you know, 900 yards is pretty awesome. Nowadays, you know, you need 14 or 1500 to be considered pretty awesome. So, it's going to be harder for him, but I think he had as the quarterback position and some of the the changes that they implemented with Paul Brown and with Anderson, the innovation, the way the game kind of changed under them. I I think I'd have to go with Anderson. Uh, Anderson, okay, Justin Justin uh, also who texted us is now uh, stating his case in the live YouTube chat. Uh, he and it is uh, Tabor like labor. He says, um, he said Ken Riley, and because Ken Riley has 60 interceptions in the in the uh, four guys in front of him, all are in the Hall of Fame. Good case to be had there. I do have a take, but John, you were kind of nodding a little bit about uh, some of the things Scott was saying there. Uh, your take between the two Kens? It it Scott's right. It's tough. Obviously, I wasn't alive to see either of them play, um, but I will say this. Eli Manning is going to get into the Hall of Fame one day because he won two Super Bowl rings. And he's going to get into the Hall of Fame because it's not the Hall of Efficiency. It's the Hall of Fame. And everyone knows Eli Manning's name. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't kind of understand when they talk about the the voting process. And that's why, you know, guys like some Steelers, like, um, what's his name, Lynn Swan's in the Hall of Fame, just because he won like four Super Bowls. Like people knew that Steelers team. 
I don't think a lot of people nowadays know who Ken Riley is, and that's kind of why you just never hear him his name up in the senior candidate conversations. But people at least know who Ken Anderson is at this point because he's always in that conversation, and he's always talked about one of those first, like he he like set a precedent in the passing game when you know teams weren't just passing the ball that that well, and he had like a seventy percent completion percentage back in the seventies, which is just unheard of. So I think based off all those kinds of factors, Anderson's probably the more deserving, even though you could definitely make the argument that Riley's Riley's career, when you talk about production and era specific, is considerably more impressive, I guess. And if Anderson obviously wins a Super Bowl, he's in, and we don't have this conversation. But I think I think it's probably Anderson at this point. Yeah, and, you know, interesting, interesting point about Eli Manning. If you look at Eli Manning's record, if you look at him year by year and you look at the Giants year by year, essentially he's had a uh, of his, I think, 14 years in the league. He's had a small handful of great years, and then he's had a lot of blah to subpar years. And it's those Super Bowl runs, those those deeper playoff runs, those the small handful of times that they've done that, um, that's where he's kind of made his case. And obviously when they had that, they had in those years, they had Michael Strahan, they had Tiki Barber, they had, uh, you know, the three-headed monster, Brandon Jacobs, Tiki Barber, and uh, Derek Ward, I think was the other guy. Um, you know, he had a lot of surrounding talent. Now, of course, quarterbacks, when you win the Super Bowl, you have a lot of surrounding talent. That's just a different conversation altogether. But interesting point about Eli Manning there. I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm, I am going to be fence rider and say I think both are probably probably have the credentials to be in the Hall of Fame or should be in the Hall of Fame. But my my takeaway from this is that the this is the reason why the Bengals need their own Hall of Fame or their own Ring of Honor because these guys are getting overlooked. These guys are getting you know even if they're fringe by some voter standards or what have you or Hall of Hall of very good. This is the reason why the Bengals need to have some sort of honoring system official thing. You know, a, a, a guy like yourself or myself, I never really saw Ken Riley play either. But if I was to go to a Bengals game and, and go to Paul Brown Stadium and there's a wing where they talk about Ken Riley, they have his uniform and they, they're honoring him and all that kind of stuff, I think that'd be a pretty cool thing. And even if he never makes it into Canton, even if Ken Anderson never makes it into Canton, it's just the right thing to do. And at least these guys are being honored in, in a way that they should be um, by their team, you know? So uh, that that's kind of my main takeaway from this discussion. We we're running way long on time. I apologize to you guys. I apologize to the listeners, but we've got, we had a lot on tap. Let's get to this final question. It's from Austin Tran. Uh, John, if the right tackle continues to struggle for the rest of the season, do you think we could possibly draft an offensive tackle in 2019? Well, I mean, obviously, but I think it's also, I think that's a question more about first round offensive tackle, especially after 2015 and the, and what hap- what has happened with Cedric Abwehi, Jake Fisher, or might they do something in free agency? But I, I would think if the, if the right tackle position continues to be a mess, I would think that they would draft someone high. They did it with Andre Smith in 2009, right? Yeah, and they've those tackles that, that have come through, they've all been first and second round picks. So, and this team, besides Billy Price, they've always usually stuck to their trends in terms of drafting. But that right tackle position is going to be very interesting because all three of those guys are free agents and honestly wouldn't do the team any good to bring any of them back. But maybe one might be back, but 
if it struggles like we expect it to, yeah, it's probably the favorite right now. And now you have a new offensive line coach who is going to scout those offensive tackles just like Paul Alexander did. He's going to bring his own you know, criteria that he looks for. Hopefully we see some better results that are not either Jake Fisher or Cedric Woy. Yeah. Uh, Scott, even with the struggles at, um, at right tackle and if they continue through, through 20, 2018 here, do you see that the Bengals might even have a bigger need than offensive tackle, namely a right tackle early in the draft? Yeah, I mean, it's I guess depend, depending on what happens in, I mean, yeah, free agency injuries or whatever, the contract extensions, you know, if Dunlap and Atkins aren't here, right tackle, I mean, it was a huge need this year. And I think yeah. most Bengals fans were quite frustrated. You see every single pick, every single pick. And, okay, second round, okay, no, if it's Jesse Bates. Third round, no, if it's Sam Hubbard, and he gets Blake Jack. At some point, you know, it's Mark Walton, what? Okay, well, at some point, we're going to get – and they just never, you know, until that what very last second to last pick with that Rod Taylor. Uh, I mean, they they just he never. Yeah, and it's where you know, and you you had a lot of guys who were falling to you. It's not like man, there's like four good ones and they're all gone, and oh, it's nothing we can do. I mean, every round, this this was considered a very deep tackle draft. You had a lot of guys. These, uh, you know, Connor Williams. You know, some people have different uh, opinions on Orlando Brown, but you know, there are a lot of other guys like that who kept falling and falling and they passed on them. They felt more guys fell. They, and at the end of the draft, they you know, they just took none. They're kind of like, well, we're, we're happy with what we have here. And we've seen from the first two games that if you're happy with what you have there, that's not very encouraging because <laughs> you don't have very much there. And I, yeah, I'm not quite sure if it was just, Hey, we got a new offensive line coach. Let's see if he can, you know, make something out of nothing. And it looks like he needs something to make something out of it. If that makes any sense. Um, uh, yeah, I would be very amazed if they did not address that either in a trade, a free agent signing, or the most probable would be a draft pick. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're going to get out of here. Thank you for the listener questions to those of you who called, texted, and um, you know left your, left your comments and whatnot in the live YouTube chat. Much appreciated. Uh, again, you can get this program on a number of different platforms. I hate to sound like a broken record, but Stitcher and Google Play are the latest additions along with iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, CincyJungle.com. And uh, so, so check it out. Get the show how you can. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.